0: straight talk from israel you're listening to israel news talk radio you're listening to the jay shapiro show
1: Hello again, this is Jay Shapiro. Thanks for listening. Israel has gained a worldwide reputation for helping other countries in crisis and distress. Since the exception of its foreign aid program, 10 years after the founding of the state, almost 74 years ago, Jerusalem has adopted an official humanitarian aid agenda providing vital relief to more than 140 countries, including some of which it does not even have diplomatic relations. Israel now has a field hospital, which will be sent and serves for the Ukrainian refugees and locals in the Ukraine and will train local medical teams in telemedicine and field medical care. It's been named Kochav Meir, which means Shining Star, after former Prime Minister Golda Meir, who was born in Ukraine and founded the Foreign Ministry's Agency for International Development Cooperation, which is leading this project right now in Ukraine. So Israel is establishing a field hospital in a town in western Ukraine this week, which should be a pride for all Israelis. The fact that tiny Israel is the first country to operate a field hospital in the war-torn country of Ukraine is a big deal and a testament to Jewish state's mission to the world, helping those in need saving lives, healing the wounded, and training others. It also reflects a Jewish concept called Tikkun Olam, mending the world and making the world a better place. This is something that just started this week in the Ukraine, something we can be proud of, and something that represents Israel at its best. I'll be back after the break.
0: You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show.
1: You're back with Jay Shapiro. I want to do a couple of uh, items which are really under the headline. They don't get the front or even up to the maybe third or fourth page of the newspapers, but I think they're really important because they affect Israel's future. The first item has to do with the fact that Congress and various Jewish groups are seeking security guarantees for Israel. And all this is happening because the Iran nuclear deal is getting closer and closer at this meeting among the powers in Europe. As the United States and Iran are on the verge of reviving the 2015 nuclear agreement, which the Trump administration got out of, now that it looks very much like they're going back to the agreement and various members of the House, the House of Representatives, and Jewish organizations are urging the American administration to provide Israel with security guarantees. Last week, a a Democratic representative from New Jersey and a Republican from Florida introduced what they called the Bipartisan Bunker Buster Bill. Now, this bill would authorize the President of the United States uh, to protect Israel from the massive ordnance penetrator, the so-called MOP bomb, which, capa- which is capable of taking out Iran's underground nuclear infrastructure. Now, this bill, it hopefully it'll become law, would ensure the United States will continue to support Israel's security as Iran increases nuclear enrichment. It would also require the United States Department of Defense to consult with the Israel and report to Congress on Israel's capability to deter a full range of threats including whether transferring bunker-buster munitions capable of taking out Iran's underground nuclear infrastructure and it would advance the security of both Israel and the United States. Those who introduced the the bill said, and I quote, We must prepare for the serious threat of a nuclear-armed Iran when the key provisions of the so-called deal uh, expire. That's where they introduced this bipartisan bill to defend Israel from Iran and from Hezbollah and reinforce the qualitative, qualitative military edge of Israel in this region with so-called bunker-buster munitions. According to those who introduced the bill, Iran and its terrorist proxies across the region must never be able to threaten the United States or Israel with a nuclear weapon. There is no, no, There should be nothing partisan about the national security of the United States nor the relationship between the United States and Israel. Since the radical Islamists took over Iran in 1979, the Iran regime's goal has been destroying Israel, the Jewish homeland. Therefore, we in the United States, according to, to those who introduced the bill, and I quote, we cannot sit silent while they continue trying to wipe Israel off the map. That's why the Republicans and the Democrats have worked together to pass the Bunker Buster Act, and they said Israel must have the tools and needs to protect its people against Iranian aggression. At the same time, the American Jewish Congress sent a letter to Congress advocating the provision of what it called fundamental security guarantees to allies as part of any new nuclear agreement with Iran. And this letter was sent to majority and minority leaders in both chambers of the Congress, along with the chairman and ranking members of the House and Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And what's happening is, as nuclear negotiations remain ongoing in Europe, ensuring that there are measures to protect the interests and security of the allies of the United States is paramount. Now, uh, the, um, the letter sent to Congress as said, in light of recent events, bipartisan action to seek clarity and highlight concerns regarding the dialogue has been heavily voiced, and they, the the American Jewish Committee stands behind the members of Congress. However, they said, we must transform words into action and urge the federal government. To provide the fundamental security guarantees requested by our allies as part of any new nuclear deal. Now, interestingly enough, these, uh, these security arrangements, which they're, they're trying to get passed in the Congress, are really uh, designed to safeguard Israel's interests and Israel's part- partners in what's the so-called Abraham Accords. Moreover, the terms of the uh, law if passed must dictate concrete measures to protect the region should Iran continue its pattern of tyrannical behavior. Now, what's happening is, negotiators are continuing in Europe. There's a very strong possibility that the um, agreement... Uh, that will be reached in Europe will allow the return to the 2015 nuclear agreement, which would end up... Be, by the way, the fact remains that the Iranians break the deal anyhow, but but the agreement itself may be very weakened. The Trump administration got out of the agreement, of the agreement because of its weakness. Now the Biden administration is trying to get back in, And thankfully, uh, friends of of the Jewish state in Congress, who are interested not only in protecting Israel, but protecting American interests and protecting those other countries here in the Middle States uh, states that are associated with the so-called Abraham Accords. So as these negotiations continue, the Congress wants to keep an eye on what's happening And they essentially, what they're trying to do by this bill, hopefully will become law, they want to thwart the Iranian war machine's ambition to achieve breakout nuclear capability. So this, uh, what I just said now, the last few minutes, uh, did get a headline. I found it way on the back pages of two of the local newspapers here in Israel And it really is important. It's important that America protect the interests of itself by protecting the interests of its neighbors. And these, both the a a Republican and a Democrat, have pushed forward this bill, which is good news. By the way, since I uh, mentioned this bill being uh, pushed in Congress, I want to make a general comment, as I understand it. The American right has tended in recent decades to become more pro-Israel, which is in part, as I understand it, a reaction to the fact that the left is more critical of Israel. Therefore, by domestic political logic in the United States, if one side dislikes Israel, then the other other side should like it. There are also other deep connections to the Jewish state among those on the right because um, the Christian evangelical support for Israel is very high, and these are people who primarily are on the right in the United States. However, this support is not ironclad, and it's clear from the change in Israel's leadership Uh, We have former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, We now have a coalition led by Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. Uh, Because of this, some evangelicals had a personal connection to Netanyahu and saw him as a kind of chosen leader. Now, this attitude does not extend to an Israeli government that's more diverse so even though the American right and the Evangelical Christians have been supportive of Israel, a lot of it has been based on a more or less personal relationship, if you will, with Netanyahu, and he cultivated this relationship. And in fact, now the leaders uh, of in Israel, Bennett and uh, and the secretary, the Secretary of State. The foreign secretary are not that well known in the United States although Bennett of course comes from an American family and speaks English and uh, pushes this uh, idea whenever he speaks with American evangelicals. So we have an interesting situation now where because there was a more or less personal relationship between our prime minister and the American Christian right It's not there anymore and it's something that we have to be wary to see that it remains strong. I'll be back after the break.
0: So join me, Steve Miller, and me, Matt Zucker, for Lighting Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show.
1: you back with Jay Shapiro. In the first segment of the program, I spoke a little bit about Iran, and I want to expand on that because this is a very, very serious issue. Iran is rushing toward a nuclear weapon and threatening to use it against the state of Israel, something we have to be very worried about. Now, the Israeli diplomatic sources said that the United States was considering acceding to Iran's demand to lift the designation of what's called the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, and the U.S. is speaking about removing its designation as a terrorist group in exchange for a commitment by Iran to regional de-escalation, de-escal- and not to attack Americans. Uh, this is being as uh, discussed as a side deal to the revival of the 2015 Iranian nuclear deal. So, on Friday last week, the heads of our government, the Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid broke their long silence on Iran and actually admonished the United States president for considering removing the IRGC, from the list of foreign terrorist organizations. And uh, the statement made by our top politicians and statesmen, uh, Bennett and Lapid, said, and I quote, we find it hard to believe that the IRGC's designation as a terrorist organization will be removed in exchange for a promise not to harm Americans. The fight against terrorism is the global one, a shared mission of the entire world. We believe that the United States will not abandon its closest allies in exchange for empty promises from terrorists." Unquote. Now that is a pretty strong statement from the leadership of the Israeli government to the leadership of the American government. Now, this shows that Israel has not completely lost its voice in the fight against the coming Iran deal and the concessions that are being planned, which will strengthen and bolster the Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, our government's been very quiet about this. Israeli leaders occasionally, occasionally spoke at it, but never mentioned the talks in Vienna or Biden's race to return to the 2015 deal which Trump pulled out of. Now the question is, will this move by the leadership of our government be effective? We still don't know, of course. On the one hand, it will show the world that Israel does not sit by as Iran pursues a nuclear weapon, and that Israeli leaders have not lost their voice. On the other hand, it might not be a complete change of strategy. Israel has until now explained um, the fact that it's quiet as part of a desire to be able to work with the Americans and the Europeans after whatever deal is reached. And if, not, and if it is not possible to stop the deal anyway, so our leadership said why publicly attack it if we can't stop it. Now, the, it can be said that the reason our leaders spoke up now is a question of something else. It's a question of respect. The world watches as Israel remains silent ahead of an upcoming and imminent deal between the Western powers and Iran. It knows that an Iran with nuclear weapons is a strategic and possibly existential threat to Israel. By staying quiet, Israel runs the risk of not being taken seriously the next time it wants to warn about something, whatever that something happens to be. In other words, the Western world, led by the United States, would look upon silence as a sign of weakness and not of strength. Additionally, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is really a good opportunity to use to warn of a deal with Iran. One of the lessons from the war that's occurring now in Ukraine is that the West, led by the United States, is only willing to go so far in the event of a conflict that leads to the death of innocent civilians. This this is because the world simply does not want a war with Russia. The world does not want a third world war. The fact of the matter is that Russia has a massive nuclear arsenal, and you don't want to get Russia too upset. Russia is so powerful that the options of the rest of the world have to use has to use against Russia are limited. Now this explains the exact problem with Iran. If the world is already afraid to confront Iran as and is willing to go back to the twenty fifteen deal which Trump got out of, what would the world do once that country Iran has nuclear weapons? And the answer is obvious, and this is the problem with what's happening now in Vienna. Instead of confronting Iran now, when it's weaker and more vulnerable and still does not have a nuclear weapon, the world wants to make a deal that will then make it almost impossible to do anything, which is all the the reasons why Israel needs to do everything now to stop this deal from happening. Because the moment it happens, the world will lose interest and will constantly look at Israel as a nuisance when it tries to warn that the deal is not being adhered to or or that Iran is doing something new to undermine regional stability. In other words, Israel has to speak up now. Now, no one really believes that Iran will forfeit its desire to obtain nuclear capability. It's working hard toward it. It has broken all the agreements up till now, and it's obviously on a path to gain a nuclear weapon, which it has threatened to use first against the state of Israel. So Iran is going to rush ahead. And no one can believe that the Iranians will suddenly stop supporting violent terrorist proxies in the Middle East. They're supporting supporting them all over the Middle East right now, against a number of countries, but primarily against Israel. So there's no point about kicking the can down the road. So What what they want to do in Vienna is sign an agreement and then turn the minds to other things. However, to Israel, it's an existential question. And Israel has no choice but to stand even on its own as a voice of reason throughout this process. This is not so it can later tell people we told you so because we told you so will be too late for Israel. But because Israel needs even now to hold up a mirror for the world and explain what the consequences of its actions will be. In other words, the, the truth of the matter is the world should not allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon because it will threaten the Western world. But Israel in particular cannot allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon because it's already said the first place it will be used is against Israel. So I apologize to the listeners for spending so much time on the iranian issue. But to us here in Israel, it is an existential threat that doesn't get big headlines in the paper. The headlines of all are, if at all are taken up by Ukraine, and rightfully so. But under those headlines is a growing threat to the existence of the state of Israel represented by Iran's rush toward a nuclear weapon, which, as I said before, it repeatedly says it will use against Israel. So although these things don't get headlines at the moment around the world, to Israel it is a problem, an existential problem. And I have to assume, by the way, of course, I don't know. I'm not privy to what's happening in our government. I'm sure... Plans are being made to go ahead and prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, no matter what the rest of the world is prepared to do. So again, I apologize for spending so much time on this issue, but it is an existential threat to the state of Israel, and we have to keep focused focused towards it and hope that our leadership is focused toward it. And this week they finally spoke up. I'll be back after the break.
0: You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
1: In fact, with Jay Shapiro, I want to say something about the new American ambassador to Israel. There's a fellow by the name of Thomas Nides, N-I-D-E-S. He spoke for an organization called Americans for Peace Now about a week ago, and um, he said things that made his audience very happy, the things they wanted to hear. He said in a remote lecture uh, uh, last week to Americans for Peace Now that he was infuriated, infuriated, that's the word he used, by settlement growth. And he said, and I quote, I'm a bit of a nag on this, including the idea of settlement growth, which infuriates me when they do things that just infuriate the situation In East Jerusalem and the West Bank, uh, he uh, he told his audience exactly what they wanted to hear, which is anti-settlement. However, apparently he believes that himself. He obviously does, as he further made clear. He went on to say, We can't do stupid things that impede us for a two-state solution. What I mean is that we can't have Israelis doing settlement growth in East Jerusalem or the West Bank. Now, he did acknowledge that the Palestinians are not without fault. By the way, he said, the Palestinians are, are not perfect either. I want to be clear. When he referred to stipends, the Palestinian Authority pays for families of terrorists either killed or sitting in jail. It's a program properly properly known as Pay for Slay. Nides went on to say, These martyr payments, you know, we can debate and talk about, have caused an enormous amount of problems. And I'm working with Israel's defenseman and a prime minister and the Palestinians to figure out how to stop it because it gives the haters who say we can't do this because they're paying for people to kill Jews. It's more complicated than that. I just make it clear that not everyone is perfect, unquote. So there you have it. The uh, American ambassador considers adding new settlements in a city like Efrat or building housing in Jerusalem neighborhood, uh, Jewish neighborhood, uh, he uh, figures that uh, something that um, infuriates, infuriates him. While well, a program that incentivizes terrorists by paying their families if they are killed in action or arrested is problematic to him because people use it as a debating point against rapidly moving toward a two-state solution. In other words, what the Jews do in settlement infuriates him, but what the um, Arabs do just bothers him because it prevents rushing toward a two-state solution. In other words, rewarding the families of terrorists By paying them is not just plain wrong and immoral, but rather is bad because it serves as an excuse to argue against running ahead and making concessions to the Palestinians. I'm afraid that the American ambassador Nides has things backwards. Settlement construction is something that can be debated, it can be talked about, can be discussed while rewarding the families of terrorists is only what is infuriating to him. The, uh, by the way, when he spoke to the Americans for Peace Now, he said a few words about, about himself, which I quote. He said, I'm a Jewish kid who grew up in Minnesota, adding that he's a Reformed Jew who always felt very deeply and strongly about being Jewish. No doubt that he does. I take him at his word. He also said he has no ideology, but that seems to be a little less precise. He does have an ideology. It is an anti-settlement ideology, which, by the way, is the ideology of the organization that he was addressing, the Americans for Peace Now. Now. It's also an ideology that exhibits by demonstratively refusing to visit any Jewish community beyond the Green Line. For example, uh, where Justice, we have a a Supreme Court here, where Supreme Court Justice Noam Solberg to invite him for a Shabbat dinner where he lives Nides would have to decline. Why? Because he lives in Schwut. That's where Justice Soberg lives, which is beyond the Green Line. So Nides would have to decline because he is ideologically opposed to the settlements. And as his words suggested, He's opposed to any and all settlement growth anywhere. So he would have to turn down a Shabbat dinner invitation from an Israeli Supreme Court justice. Now, this is obviously very much the ambassador's prerogative. He can go where he wants. However, the question is whether it is a wise policy. All the American administrations going all the way back to Lyndon Johnson back in 1967 opposed the settlements to one degree or another. However, it was the Obama administration and the Secretary of State in the Obama administration, John Curry, who took that opposition to another level altogether, and turned it into a matter of orthodoxy? In other words, to be opposed to Jewish settlement as an orthodox belief of the was an orthodox belief of the Obama administration, and the idea that the settlements were the root of the Middle East problems. And uh, the cause of the Israel-Arab conflict became almost axiomatic. Forget the fact that the Arabs tried to destroy Israel because there were, before there were any settlements at all. That's all the material. These are things I'm sure the listeners know. Uh, For the Obama administration, it was all about settlements, almost an obsession. Just remove the settlements or stop the settlement growth and the path to peace and a two-state solution would be magically paved, according to the Obama administration. Now, what made the Obama administration officials who adhered to this orthodoxy, they were like true believers. And why was this? because they held on to this belief, even though it was proven, via the withdrawal from Gaza in 2005, to be a bogus assumption. Israel uprooted all its settlements before withdrawing totally from the Gaza Strip, but the result, as we all know, was anything but peace. Do settlements complicate matters? Yes, they do. But are they preventing a two-state solution? No, they aren't. What is preventing a two-state solution is terrorism, because as long as terrorism rages and the martyrs get paid, um, uh, as long as it's true, terrorism will continue to rage, Israel's Israelis will never be willing to make any of the concessions that Ambassador Nides would like to see them make for a two-state solution. Uh, While settlement construction caused an enormous amount of problems, according to Ambassador Nides, Uh, It is terrorism and incitement to and incentivizing of terrorism that the American ambassador should be infuriated about because that is what has consistently prevented any Israeli-Palestinian peace process. The very fact that the representative of the American government here in Israel, the American ambassador, it uh, happens to be Jewish, but that's immaterial, seems to have no knowledge whatsoever about the history of this area is rather frightening, and I might say it's also depressing. One would imagine that when an ambassador is sent to a country, he's given a large, long, detailed review of what's been happening in that country for at least the last 100 years, if not the last 100, at least the last 75. And as far as Israel's is concerned, at least from the founding of the state, or at least from the time the UN called for a two-state solution here in Palestine, the American ambassador, Nide, seems to have been giving no background whatsoever And that's the way he seems to be talking. And I find that to be extremely unfortunate. It reflects poorly upon the American uh, Foreign Service that they sent someone here who seems to know nothing about the area we're supposed to rent this country in. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Jay Shapiro signing off.
0: If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook